Last week was faith and faithfulness. Today's uh, message is about faith and confidence. Everyone say confidence. confidence. So, uh, look, confidence is such a big issue, whether it be in the church, whether it be outside of the church. Since the 1960s, psychologists have pursued an understanding of confidence and self-esteem, almost like a search for El Dorado, the city of gold, this, this, uh, this uh, search to find esteem and confidence and assurance, which uh, psychologists believe set people up for success in their life. Uh, we know that high self-esteem and a strong sense of confidence are related to good mental health, higher educational achievements, literacy, lower dropout rates, better physical health, better economic standings. There are so many links to a higher self-esteem and a sense of confidence that allows us to, to pursue challenges and overcome adversity and things like that. So researchers are in agreement on a lot of things. Some areas that they're not in agreement is, is that they... They still are not in agreement on whether early success and achievement breeds confidence or whether confidence breeds early, early achievement and success. There's different uh, uh, beliefs and, and understandings around that. Uh, what we do know, and you would have experienced this yourself, is when you're winning, your confidence is high, isn't it? When you are winning, when things are working out for you, when things are falling into place, your confidence is high. You make decisions, you, you are confident in those decisions, you feel like these things are going to work out, and it doesn't matter who we are, uh, no matter what's going on, when you find repeated failure or defeats or, or negative results start happening, then it undermines your confidence. It undermines your sense of self-assurance, your sense of self-esteem when you make decisions and those decisions don't work out, whether they're financially, whether they're relationally, uh, emotionally, uh, educationally. We make these decisions, they don't work out, and we start to second-guess ourselves. We start to think, oh, I don't know whether I trust my, my outlook. Uh, so confidence is is a big thing. You see it in business, you see it in sporting teams, you see it in coaches, you know, when confidence is high, when the coach's confidence is high, when they're winning, they make decisions, it seems to perpetuate a sense of winning and when they're not winning, they're second guessing their decisions about who they're playing and, and you see coaches, you know, lasting a year, they can win the comp, talking about the NRL or even the Premier League in soccer, they can win the comp one season, two seasons later, they're getting fired. Um... Why is that? It's the same person. It comes back to a sense of self-assurance, a uh, sense of knowing what we're doing and trusting in what we're doing. So that's a good thing, right? But the important thing for us as believers, as Christians, is wh what's the link between self-confidence and a confidence in God? Where, where do we place our confidence and our sense of assurance in what we're doing? I believe the true sign of Christianity, the true sign of Christian maturity is being confident in who God has made you to be, what He's given you, uh, and confident in our abilities that have been developed and honed through education, through training, through experiences, um, having confidence in that, but at the same time not relying or placing all of our confidence in ourselves and our ability, that there's two legs to Christian confidence. One is a self-assurance in who you are and, and what you've done and what you've achieved, and at the other hand, trusting and relying on God at the same time. 
the, the, uh, that's a sign of maturity, to be able to lean on those two legs at the same time. They are the legs that God will use to take you into the life that God's called you to live. What has happened in the past and over different uh, generations and, and even different denominations, Christian denominations, that you find that there'll be a, a significant emphasis on one side of it, which ends up in an unbalanced Christian life. Uh, I would say, uh, well, Paul, let me give you a scripture. Paul puts it this way in regards to the, the best approach to how we live our life having confidence and assurance in ourselves, but also trusting in God. He said this, this is the amplified version of the Bible, Philippians 4.13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Look at this. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I like this next verse. This is the summation of my message. If you don't listen to anything else, if you don't write anything else down, write this down. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. What a great summation of what it means to have mature confidence in Christ. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. They almost seem... uh, Uh, It almost seems a dichotomy. It almost seems like they're opposite truths, but they're the same truth. They're two legs of the same truth. The truth that we are self-sufficient in what God's given us, a confidence in who we are (coughs) and, uh, and, and experiences that we've had and education that we've achieved. We don't just throw all that out and go, oh, that doesn't mean anything. But on the same time, we are also reliant on God. What happens is when we, when we emphasize one truth from the Bible, or we emphasize one aspect or characteristic of God's nature, we end up in error. We end up with an unbalanced life, and we do not find ourselves uh, fulfilling the, the purpose and the plan and the life that God has called us to live. Some Christians have grown up or been exposed to a th- theology or a church culture which overemphasizes what God's part in our confidence. So in other words, They'll focus on scriptures like John 5, 15, which says this, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But here's the part they emphasize. Apart from me, you can do nothing. They will overemphasize. Now, this is, in the, this is in the Bible. This is truth. Without God, you cannot do anything. But it's one leg of a truth that God has put in his Bible. But if you overemphasize that truth, you get up with cultures, Christian cultures, Christian denominations, uh, Christian theology, which says, I'm a worm. I'm useless. I can't do anything. I'm hopeless. I don't know if anybody, anybody's been exposed to that kind of teaching, that's that environment, that culture. It's all God and none me. You know, sometimes I'll talk to people, whether they be not these guys who did a phenomenal job, but, you know, uh, over the years, people in the band or you talk to different people that do stuff in the church, you go, oh, that was a great job. And they'll go, oh, no, it wasn't me, it was God. <laughs> well, you look, it looked like you. <laughs> it definitely looked like you. Oh, no, no, it's all, it, it's all God. It's none of me. That's a false humility. It's a false humility saying, I play no part in anything that I do. It's all God. And I, and I understand the sentiment and the scriptural backing but it's unbalanced. It is not a full and rounded understanding of what the Bible teaches about confidence. It is not all up to God. 
Oftentimes we will spend years praying, God, do this, God, do that, God, do that. And nothing happens. And we go, God's not answering my prayer. As I said last week, God's answer for your life is you. It's no one else. He wants to work in and through you to bring about His promises in your life. Confidence is knowing that I have everything that I need to live the life and do the things God's called me to live. That's what Paul's saying to this Philippian church. He's saying to these young believers, he's saying uh, and, and declaring his approach to understanding, I have strength for all things. You've got strength for all things. Anything you're going to face, any challenge that's going to come your way, you've got the strength for it. You go, oh, I can't, I don't have the stamina. No, you do. The Bible says you do, but at the same time, in Christ who empowers us, where does that strength come from? It comes through God. But you've got to activate it. You've got to step it out. You've got to work at it to live that life and see it happening in your life. So, I don't want to ever hear you saying, I'm a worm. I don't want to ever hear you saying, <laughs> I'm a sinner. Well, you know, even the old idea of, oh, I'm just a sinner. Yes, the Bible makes that clear, but that's not the definition the Bible uses for a believer. A sinner is, and the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody who says they do not sin is a liar. Yes, you can get all these scriptures out of the Bible, put them in a box and go, look, you're a sinner. That's true. But that's one truth in the Scriptures. If you live out of that truth, it will hamstring your life. If that's all you see, if that's all you do, it'll undermine the confidence God wants you to have. It's a truth, but it's part of the truth that God has for your life. Uh, I'm a sinner. I'm useless. I can't do anything. I don't want to ever hear that coming out of your mouth. Don't say to me, if I say, that was a great job. Oh, no, it wasn't that good. No, that's rubbish. I often talk, you know, and obviously I've been preaching for a long time, been running this church for a long time with Nicole, and, and over and over again people come up and go, oh, that was a fantastic message, that's awesome. And it is, I must admit. It's, uh, oftentimes, oftentimes it's good. But imagine if someone comes up to me and says, oh, that was a great message. Go, oh, no, it wasn't actually that good. And, you know, if I didn't actually do anything. It was all God. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Maturity is being able to take a compliment and not let it go to your head. Pure Christian maturity is for someone to go, that was fantastic, and you go, thank you. That's the response. Not like, oh, God is awesome. He is awesome, but that's not the time to say it. What you're trying to say is, oh, it's not me. I had nothing to do with it. Well, other people, you're singing for an example, if I was up there and I was singing, it wouldn't be God, I'm telling you now. <laughs> so if it's good, we say it's God. If it's bad, it's you. No, God has given gifts and talents and abilities to different people to do different things. And if you've got that and you've worked on it, that's okay. It's okay to say, I'm good at that. It's just the acknowledgement of the truth. Where it gets out of balance is, is if then you get cocky and cockiness is just be, is not so much saying I'm good, but I'm better than everybody else. That's the difference between co confidence and cockiness. Confidence is knowing who you are and what God's given you. Cockiness is, is saying I'm better than everybody else here. That's the difference. God does not encourage a sense of coffiness, cockiness, coffiness. <laughs> I think he does encourage coffiness. <laughs> um, so, if someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. 
It's an acknowledgement that you've done something well. But whenever someone comes up to me and says, that was a fantastic message, that was great, and I know if it was or wasn't, I'm not going to say no, it wasn't or wasn't. My wife will let me know. <laughs> not long after the service. <laughs> but I, don't say, I will say thank you very much, but I always know, and my prayer every single week is, God, let your voice come through my voice to speak to every person that they can hear what they need to hear to live the life God's called them to live. I know without God moving through the Holy Spirit that if it's just me, we're not going to see eternal and significant transformation in people's lives. I know that. So when someone comes up and says, that's a great message, or that was great, that really impacted me, I go, thank you. But I know in my head it wasn't just me. I still had to do the preparation. I still had to do the study. I still had to do, put the investment in. But at the same time, I'm praying, God, take what is natural and make it supernatural. Take what is me and make it you. That's my prayer. It's the same with you, whether you're at work, whether you're at home. Someone goes, oh, you're a great mum. Don't go, oh, it's all Jesus. No, it's not. <laughs> he had a part to play, but you've put in the investment, you've put in the, in the time. Um, someone came up to Nick, or rang Nick the other day and said, uh, talking about one of our boys, our oldest one, Bailey, uh, and she said, I just want to, I, I had to ring you and let you know, introduce myself and say to you, I just want to tell you what a phenomenal job you've done on raising your son. How good's that? And I said, right, what, so I had nothing to do with it? <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. So that's a great compliment to have as a mother. But Nick also knows that, you know, she had a significant part to play, but, you know, prayer and other people's, and there's a whole, lot, a whole raft of, of influences that, that took place in his life to make him who he is. So being able to say, yes, I am good at that, or, no, I'm not good at that, I need to work on it, is an honest place to be. If we can never, ever admit fault, if you find yourself, uh, if you find it a challenge for you to admit a fault, you've always got to be perfect, you've always got to have it right, you can never say, I got that wrong, or you can never say, I'm not good in this area, that's a weakness. That's something you need to look at, because we all have weaknesses, we all have strengths. Confidence is being able to say, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. I can work on this, I can get someone to help me with that. You are able to do all things, the Bible says, through Christ who gives you strength. So there's no worms in this church. They're sinners, but I don't, want to, I don't want you to define yourself by that title. I am born again, I'm filled with God's Spirit, I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength, I'm, I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. These are the designations that we want to be declaring over our life because they're the ones that are going to take you into the life God's called you to live. Um, thank you. <laughs> it's all Jesus, I'm telling you, it's all Jesus. <laughs> so it's not all God and none of you. You do have a part to play. Whenever you... Uh, whenever you um, Whenever you outsource your responsibility to God or to anybody else, you will fall short of what God has for your life. You have a part to play and you're able to fulfill that part. God has made you able through His Spirit.
The other, so that's one side, and you may have grown up in a church like that, you might have met Christians like that, you might have seen people like that, you might have read about things like that, and it's an it's a unbalanced view of Christianity. Um, the other side of the picture is where we have, a opposite, we have an inflated view of ourselves and our abilities, our gifts and our talents, where you, you, deep down you don't say it, you're saying the same words like, oh, it's, it's Jesus, it's not me. But deep down, you're thinking, no, it's actually me. <laughs> Aren't I amazing? Aren't I fantastic? Look what I've achieved. I hear people at different times say, look at all the things that I've achieved. And I understand where they're coming but from. And, but, but deep down, there's, there's a lack of recognition of God's part in those achievements. There is a sense of, hey, I made all this happen. I did all this. I've achieved all this. Jesus confronts this kind of attitude uh, in the Scriptures. Uh, you can read about it in... Oh, I didn't write the Scripture down, but I'm sure it's going to come up on the screen because Justine is amazing. Oh, there it is. Um, so Jesus confronts this. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you look at this scripture, Jesus links self-assurance without God and a sense of uh, uh, hubris, if you like, or pride to greed. He makes a distinct link between these attitudes. So he says this in the scripture. Then he said, uh, he talked about, he's talking about another thing, but it wasn't important, so I didn't put it in here, and I, I want to save some time. But he says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That is his overarching uh, uh, introduction, if you like. But look at what he talks about when he's talking about uh, uh, the, the individual that he's referring to. And then he says, Then he tells him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Verse 21, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What is Jesus referring to? He's, he's pointing here to a person that believes that everything they have and everything they've achieved and everything they've accumulated has been done simply by their own hard work without the acknowledgement or the sense of gratitude or appreciation or thankfulness to the God who enabled them to do it. That is the other side of self-confidence, self-assurance that God doesn't like that you do not acknowledge God's part in it. So on one side, we're saying, oh, it's all God, it's not me. On the other side, we're saying, hey, it's all me. I've done all this. I've achieved all this. I've accumulated all this. God had nothing to do with it. 
That is pride. That is linked to greed. And it festers and God doesn't like it. And so we need to look at and make sure that we are living in a place where we are not living with a sense of low self-esteem or no, value, no self-value, uh, that we don't have anything, we can't contribute anything, that we've got nothing good to give on one side. That's unhealthy. That's not helpful. And that doesn't allow you to live the life God's called you to live or do what God's called you to do. And on the other side, where we're never acknowledging God. When we come to tithing, let me just talk about this for a sec. When we say to God, I don't think I need to tithe. I don't think I need to give to God. What we are actually saying, and it doesn't matter how you justify it or what argument you put up or what scriptures you use. What you are saying is, God, you had nothing to do with getting me to where I am. You had nothing to do with me achieving what I've achieved and accumulating what I've accumulated. You've had nothing to do with it. Therefore, I don't feel any obligation to give back to you any of the goods, the possessions, or the finances that I've achieved. Deep down, that's what we're saying. Whether we say, I can't afford it, I don't believe in it, the Scripture doesn't teach it, it's Old Testament. Deep down, what we're saying is, and that's what Jesus was Uh, hinting at and pointing out in this parable that when we do not acknowledge God in the blessings and 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 the good things that we've got in our life, we are living in pride and we are setting ourselves up for a fall. Because the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Not because God makes you fall, but when you are living in a paradigm where you think you're the one that's making it all happen, anyone that's been living long enough knows there will come a time where that will change. That will change. Life has a way of rolling over on top of the person that was just sitting on top of it. And so acknowledging God, putting our trust in God, in our relationships, praying, praying for our partners and our families, in our finances, bringing our tithe to God, saying, God, I know that I did not do this on my own. I appreciate the favor, the blessing, the, the education, the experiences, the, the home environment that I had to get me to where I am. You didn't choose your parents. The, whether you had a good or a bad upbringing was not your choice. It's just the way God sovereignly decided it. But that doesn't mean whether it was good or bad, we've got to acknowledge God, you were in there and there's your purpose and plan in it. And therefore, I can trust you to move me, whether it's from this side or this side, towards your great purpose and plan for my life. So, what am I saying? Overconfidence is when we don't feel like we need to pray. We don't pray that much. We don't read our Bible that much because I don't need to know what God's opinion is. I don't need God's involvement in my life. I can do this on my own. So whether we say those words or not, we may come in here and lift our hands and say we praise God, which is awesome and important. But God is interested in the heart. God is interested in building character, building sustainability into our life so that we are living in a way that not only pleases Him, but brings about His purpose in the world. And He does that by by teaching us and training us to live our lives in a way that the Bible teaches. So, it's got very quiet in here. (laughs) That's a good thing. As I said last week, 
if you come here every single week and agree with everything I say and are not challenged, you're not listening or I'm not doing my job, one or the other. So if you're saying, oh, that's hurting, oh, I don't know about that, oh, there's some kind of great, write it down, go away and begin to look for yourself. Is what he's saying true? Rather than what we often do is we just go, oh, no, I don't believe that, I'm going to throw that out. I'm just going to go with what I find comfortable. I'm just going to go with what I find agree, agreeable to me. But what we find agreeable right now may not be what we find agreeable in 20 years or in 10 years. So we've got to understand, I'm here to grow. I'm here to find out more about God, my life, and how I can contribute to seeing God's purpose and plan come into the world. Yes? So... <clears throat> Overemphasizing one particular aspect of Scripture never, ever leads to health, vitality, and the fulfilling of purpose. So we've got to think, what are the, some of the things that I believe, some of the things that I'm building my life on, are they actually healthy and true? Am I, deep down, feel like I'm unworthy of God's love? I'm unworthy of God's blessing? I'm unworthy of God's favor because there's nothing in me that is attractive to God. That's a lie. That's a deception. The Bible makes that clear. That yes, we're sinners and yes, we've stuffed up and yes, we've done wrong. But God's love for us and His heart towards us is not based upon our goodness. It's based upon His goodness. It's not based upon what we do. It's based upon what He, do, what he did on the cross. So when we come to God, He doesn't weigh up our, how good we are and what, what thing we're doing. What He what he does is go, does this person have Jesus Christ in their life? Have they got Jesus in their life? Because he's the only one that lived a perfect life. He's the only one that pleased God. And he died on that cross so that he would be a substitute for us so that when we stand before God, we can go, hey, I can stand righteous. I can stand confidently before God, not based on what I've done, but based on what he's done. That is the foundation of Christianity. That's one side. And as I said, on the other side, where we feel overconfident, where we don't believe God had anything to do with it, is going to lead to trouble. It's going to lead to problems in our life. We do not overemphasize one truth over another. Um, what time is it? I'll give you one more point. <clears throat> so, success and God's favor develops your confidence. So when we see God moving in our life, when we see things happening, when we get that answer to prayer, when we see blessing in our life, it develops a confidence, a confidence in ourselves and a confidence in God. That's okay. That's a good thing. <clears throat> what we don't want to do, though, is when things aren't working out, when things don't seem to be moving ahead, that we lose our confidence, that we must continue to put our trust in God because sometimes things don't always work out the way we want them to work out. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all, uh, Proverbs 4, uh, somewhere, Proverbs 4, you can look it up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's the next line? Anyone that's... Lean not, Lean not on your own, own understanding, but. but in all your ways, trust. acknowledge or trust God and He will make your path straight. Here's the difference between worldly confidence and Christian mature confidence is sometimes things are not planning, panning out the way we would like them to pan out. 
We do not, therefore, remove our trust from God, which is the temptation. God's not answering my prayer. I prayed that and that's not happening. In fact, it looks like things are getting worse. Therefore, God, I can't trust you anymore. I'm going to take things back into my own power. I'm going to, I'm going to take control again. That's the temptation. But here's the, uh, write this down as well. So success in God's favor develops confidence, but pressure, which is where things are challenging, things are difficult, things are uh, not uh, um, perfect, Pressure develops your convictions. So uh, success in God's favor develops confidence. Pressure develops your conviction. When things come under pressure, we develop our conviction that God's truth is true, that God's power does still work, that God has not left me, that He's still with me. That is when you hold on to God's Scripture and continue to believe without losing your confidence because uh, the writer of the Hebrews said to the Hebrew church, which were under pressure, do not throw away your confidence because in time it will be richly rewarded. I don't have that up there. I just thought of it just then. Hebrews um, do not, chapter 10, do not throw away your confidence. That's the temptation, isn't it? When things are not working out. We don't throw out our confidence in ourselves. You're still the same person. Don't start second-guessing yourself. Don't throw away all the experience and all the things that you've developed. They go, oh, oh, I don't know if that's right anymore. Oh, that doesn't seem to be working anymore. But then on the other hand, don't throw away your confidence in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? We continue to follow God's Word. We continue to follow God's ways. And it will work out. Sometimes those things, and this is how Paul puts it. So pressure develops your convictions. I'll finish with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 10. Paul, now writing to the Corinthian church, the same truth. We think you ought, uh, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and over, if you know the backstory, they went through heavy, heavy persecution. They were beaten. They were, Paul was stoned. Uh, their life was endangered in very many ways and they went through heavy physical abuse. Um, so, and then Paul's writing to the Corinthians about it. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Has anyone ever felt in that place? Crushed and overwhelmed beyond my ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. This is the uh, living translation. We felt like this is it. We're not going to make it. I don't know if anyone's ever been at that place, financially, relationally. Financially, we're never going to recover. Relationally, in a marriage, this is never going to work. This place where you feel like it's over. This is the end. There's no hope. Paul's here right now and he's teaching us. In fact, we expected to die. Wow. But Paul, where's your faith? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he's saying at this point, he thought he was going to die. This was the end. But, he says, but... As a result of this challenge, as a result of this difficulty, as a result of this pressure, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned 
and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Sometimes God allows pressure to come into our world so that we take our reliance off ourselves and put our reliance on Him. We take the faith out of ourselves and put our faith in Him because faith in God is what releases the power of God, the miracles of God, the supernatural and eternal realm. This happened, Paul says, so that we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God who raises the dead. In verse 10, and He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. What an awesome Scripture that is. If you're in that place right now, if you're feeling like Paul felt right now, I want to encourage you to say it is not over. It is not over. Sometimes God allows these circumstances, allows pressure, allows challenge and difficulty. Sometimes in your work environment, you might say, I hate my job. God might be trying to teach you something. <laughs> we stop relying on ourselves and we, we learn to rely on God. How do you know if you're relying on God? What is the outworking of it? It's when we can still, can still thank, as I said, we can be thankful when we get a compliment, when someone goes, that was amazing. You think when Paul got out of this circumstance and they went, wow, aren't you amazing that you got yourself out of that? Do you think Paul went, well, yeah, I am actually. He learnt now, this is the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's saying, I learnt something through these circumstances. I learnt something through this challenge. I learnt that my confidence and my trust must be in God in the end. That I can do everything that I can do. And I can use everything that God's given me. And that's important. But underlying all of that, I know everything I have, everything I'm doing, and everything that I'm going to do is reliant upon God's grace, goodness, favor, and blessing, on, and strength in my life. If you remember that, you will have an awesome life in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to pray right now. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that faith and confidence are intrinsically linked. That confidence is a good thing. That we should feel confident. That we should have a sense of self-value, self-worth, dignity. Because we're made in the image of God. And we've got skills, gifts, talents and abilities. But deep down, Lord, and foundational to all of that, that we know, Lord, that everything we have, and everything we've got, everything we're going to do comes from you. And therefore, we acknowledge that in our life. We acknowledge it in our family, that it's your blessing that brought those people into our lives. The upbringing that we had, 
if we had a good one. We're thankful. The money that we've got, we are thankful. And we recognize and acknowledge that thankfulness by giving back to you what you ask as a sign of that acknowledgement, which is the tithe. In our career, in our business, in our relationships, in our own health, we thank you, God. We thank you.